Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts, Ravi and Arvind. Pardon these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild ride around the world of sports. Hello boys and girls, happy holidays. Uh, it's Ravi and Arvindir again after a short break. Uh, this is Masala PTI. Sorry we've been kind of uh, absconding for a bit, but uh, we'd like to definitely have a pod now, Ravi, now that it's pretty much Super Bowl time for most uh, fantasy leagues. Um, what, what do you think uh, uh, happened for us this season? We have been pretty... Uh, Irregular with this podcast, huh? Yeah, and uh, a huge uh, blame on the uh, for that falls on me for being flaky. Both of us. And on Arvind. So my apologies to the ones that do listen to our pod <laughs> as well as to you. Uh, this was yeah. supposed to be our season, you know, fantasy football or football season in general is supposed to be when uh, we thought we would be more prolific. Uh, yeah. On the contrary, we've been uh, missing in action. So hopefully, I think as we look forward to how we shape and reshape, uh, you know, the ethos of this podcast. I think one of the things that we would do is to kind of almost mandate regularity around our ability to produce it. So Yes, yes. Well, uh, you know, that's very nicely put. From my side, yeah, I, I, I owe an apology as well. I don't think I've been great at... Uh, uh, you know, making time for this last couple of months. It's just been crazy for both of us, I suppose. Now, let's give a quick recap of our uh, fantasy season, which I don't think uh, was great. For me, you know, I was like, you couldn't have spelt mediocrity without my name. I was in three leagues. Uh, coincidentally, I was seven and six in all of them. I made it to the super. I mean, the playoffs in all of them, which I guess is a good thing. And then promptly got eliminated in the first round in two of those leagues, and I have somehow managed to go to the Super Bowl in the third one. Surprisingly, uh, beating your team, Ravi, which had an amazing season in that league. So, how was your? Uh, Aside from the two leagues we overlap in, uh, I know you have uh, uh, at least one other league, but you should give a recap of where, what you feel about your season. Mine was basically one word, mediocrity. Yeah, and so you're being too kind there, to, or too, too hard on yourself actually, because if you were to define your season or your fantasy uh, season across the three leagues uh, with mediocrity, mine would probably be crap. <laughs> Because uh, in addition to the two leagues in which we both play, I have one other league which I care about a lot and I did not even make the playoffs. I mean, I was, I think, the third or the fourth highest scoring team, wow. uh, but lost uh, three games in that uh, league by less than a point apiece. So, wow. you know, again, we, we function on the basis of decimal points in that league as well. So, I lost three games in the season. Uh, by less than a point apiece. Uh, I mean, anyway, uh, not to yeah. not to make that an excuse, but ended the season seven and six, missed the playoff in that. Obviously, missed the playoffs in uh, uh, our league of record as well, mm-hmm. in which I started zero and five, and obviously there was no, I mean, point of no return from that point onwards. And then in the last one, where you ki- were kind enough to say that I had a terrific team, I lost to you in the semi-final. So. 
my fantasy Super Bowl is basically watch and get jealous of everyone else. <laughs> yeah, I think you had a uh, you had a couple of good things looking at you from a distance. Obviously, the league where you lost to me last weekend, it was kind of unfortunate because you were the league leader and you had the bye week and all of that. Then in our, uh, what we call the league of record, you uh, really had a horrible start, but then it was pretty amazing the run you went on after that. But then again, towards the end, unfortunately, you know, you, it caught up to you and, uh, you know, you had to pretty much win the rest of the way, right? That's kind of hard. Which you were doing for a good stretch and then at the end you slowed down a little bit and missed the playoffs. Yeah, that is one. And, you know, one always tries to do a post-mortem of the exact roster configuration, right? And in some ways I think that's, one, uh, that's going to be our topic of discussion as well, which is, you know, what are the things that we've learned. But when I look at my roster in that particular league, I don't think in the last five or six years I've ne- ever been as happy or as satisfied with my roster constitution as I was this year with the team that I ended up with. But mm. to your point, because I started 0-5, mm-hmm. I then went on a five game. So I basically lost my first five games, then won the next five, then lost the next two, and now I'm on a two-game winning streak. Uh, this is all obviously in the, in the, in the consolation bracket. But <laughs> point is that it was a rather freaky... Uh, Occurrence, either one. I mean, you know, both the win streak and the losing streak. I think the truth or the average would have suggested being somewhere in between and so kind of getting through with a seven and six record or something. But that was not to be. Yeah. Uh, so you're saying post draft, this was your most uh, satisfactory team? Actually, three weeks in. Because as okay. you know, uh, you know. The, the day we do the draft or the day after I finish, we finish the draft is probably what I consider a 60% uh, roster constitution for me because I assume that there will be a mm-hmm. couple of trades I would make in the first three weeks of the season, which yeah. will then result in what I would consider my final, final roster. Ah. At the end of week three is when I'm talking about that I felt pretty good about the team. The people I had. I see. Yeah, because I always, I think I told you this too, I always feel like you're the most active trader in in fantasy that I know of. So you should, at some point, you should, you should give some uh, trade uh, uh, knowledge to our listeners uh, for next season. Uh, yeah. I always feel like your draft, coming out of the draft, your team is always so-so. But it doesn't even matter because you're, like you said yourself, you're going to trade and uh, find what is a good spot for you and what makes you happy anyways, whether it's over the next three weeks or even the next 10 weeks, right, until the trade deadline. But it's interesting you say that you felt better uh, this year more than the recent years, where when you have really done well and you have won a couple of Super Bowls and things like that. In my case, it was almost the opposite, right? I had probably a horrible draft. And I, you know, the running joke with some of the people in the league, Ravi, as you know, is uh, whether I was bribing the devil or what I was doing to just even keep winning and get to seven and six. Because I had a pretty bad draft. I made a lot of dangerous calls, which didn't work out. I had no running back. But I kept at it, I kept at it, and somehow my uh, RB core got better, and then the team got better, right? So, yes. 
I was pretty disappointed after the draft, but then my results were a, a lot more, lot better than I expected myself or anybody expected for my team. Uh, in at the end of the season, I think I had like zero running backs I had drafted actually, which I don't think has ever happened to me. Wow. Yeah, which yeah. even it may not even have happened to you who tends to trade a lot. Even with the yeah, trade, you yeah. probably have like one anchor running back or something like that, right? Whereas yeah. I, I was not trading. It was just pure garbage. <laughs> the people I drafted, I had none of them on my roster, the running backs. You know, that's a good point. And in fact, I'll just tie something that you brought brought up earlier, which is, you know, what is the, I guess, I won't even call it trade recipe, but what is the general thought process around me wanting to trade during the season? Mm-hmm. Uh I think that's closely tied to what you said at the end, which is to have anchor players. And literally speaking, I promise you that every year once we finish drafting, I look at out of the 14-member team, who are the two people that I will not uh, trade? Mm-hmm. And how can I shuffle the remaining 12 players? I guess 12 is 12 doesn't make sense. We're not talking about defense and kickers. But yeah. essentially, how am I uh-huh. shuffling the remaining 9 or 10 players to the other 11 teams in a way that they become attractive to those teams. So, you are right. I've never had a situation where I have not had at least one of the first two running backs stay on with my team, Mm -hmm. but very rarely have two stayed on my team for the entire duration. And I think this year I saw that in your uh, roster that I think you turned over pretty much the entire team. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, learning for me. That picks up a good point. So one of the things, you know, we are at the Super Bowl pretty much. Any, any, you know, I wanted to talk about basically kind of the top five learnings for fantasy, right? What did we learn and what can we uh, suggest to our listeners for the future? Um, we could even revisit this early next year during the season. But before jumping into that, any tips for uh, Super Bowl for people? And I guess this late in the season, there are not a lot of mysteries, but obviously people like to stream uh, defenses. And there's a couple of things like, you know, Martavius Bryant is going up because Antonio Brown is hurt and people are wondering uh, whether, you know, what his upside is and things like that. Uh, Why don't you say what's catching your eye even though you, you know you are not technically in the Super Bowl this week you know so I have two uh, super deep uh, sleepers for the Super Bowl <laughs> one of which is uh, actually uh, the guy that you already talked about which is Martinez Bryant mm-hmm. he could have had three touchdowns last week against the Patriots basically Ben missed him on one deep shot he uh, Bryant dropped another one and obviously he did score one touchdown. So, in a non-Antonio Brown-led wide receiver core, where mm-hmm. Smith Schuster is going to take care of the slot, yeah. I think uh, you know Martin Davis Bryant could end up becoming a league winner. You know, for teams that are looking for a nice. uh, for a boom or bust receiver. Yeah. The other guy that. It depends on one more thing to happen, but I think if that happens, uh, the guy I'm going to name it could again be a league winner, and that is Capri Bibbs uh, with Washington. <laughs> okay. 
know, so he uh, obviously took over the Chris Thompson role for Washington last week against the Cardinals. And interesting because he already had taken over the Chris Thompson role, the third down back role for Washington. On top of which, yesterday at practice, uh, Samaj, uh, Samaje Pirai, yeah. he hurt his groin. Mm. And now they are calling it doubtful for the week. So if he's a half out, they also brought up some guy called Lishan Daniels or someone uh, and from the practice squad. And he's now on IR after hurting himself uh, or getting a concussion last week. So they literally have no running back other than a hampered Pirine and Capri Bibbs. So if Pirine doesn't play, Washington will be facing a Denver team led by Brock Osweiler. <laughs> so numerous scoring opportunities and with Capri Bibbs as their primary running back. So again, I'm hoping or assuming that most Super Bowl teams will not be uh, looking for a running back at this stage. Uh, but if someone has, you know, maybe lost a key flex, yeah. like, or if someone has lost Antonio Brown and uh, need a flex, I think Bibbs may not be a bad idea. That's some deep knowledge right there <laughs> with uh, the Washington Redskins depth chart. Even Kirk Cousins may not know it at this stage. <laughs> It's 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 almost now funny because you're right. I, I think uh, against uh, sorry to go back into the cocoon of our league of record, but in the consolation finals, I'm playing against uh, your cousin Balaji, and he picked up a guy called Elijah Penny, and some of our league mates did not even know who that was. So I think in this this late in the season, right? You basically some teams are also checked out. I'm mean, talking about the NFL teams. Yeah. So yeah. there are a lot of players that nobody is following except for this uh, very you know corner case fantasy reasons. So for you to be on top of it so much is uh, pretty impressive this late in the season. And uh, why does Capri Bibb's name ring a bell? Denver. You remember two oh, years ago? Yeah. Denver. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he was the he was the idiot who kept me nervous after I had drafted C.J. Anderson, and uh, I forget who the coach was at the time, but he kept uh, subbing out C.J. Anderson in favor of Capri Bibbs, and that was pissing the shit out of me. Right, right. Now I remember. That's <laughs> funny. So on that account, I uh, I agree with that too, and I think there's. Uh, Deed or D.D. Westbrook. How do you say his first name? That guy might be a sleeper too. Yeah. Because yeah, they yeah. have some injuries and things like that. And, uh, you know, when when it comes to Brian, who do you... Let me ask you this. Who is your better pick if both are available? Uh, Juju or Brian? Juju by far. More reliable, right? More reliable. You know, Absolutely. And again, going back to our league and again at this stage, you know, part of the learning is you look at specific incidents or occurrences or decisions and you applaud them or criticize them. At that, I mean, that is part of the learning. Mm-hmm. One of the things I need to laud you for is to, uh, for, for, for you having picked up uh, Juju, I think in week four or five. And yeah. honest to God, I had no idea who he was at the time. And obviously, uh, he's been a stud. He's probably been the best rookie wide receiver this year. Probably, yeah. He had that suspension and all of that. Otherwise, he would have been even more uh, effective. I think, yeah, they didn't have the depth, I, I thought. And, you know, Antonio Brown is amazing. But you still need somebody else, right, on the other side. And yeah. uh, it didn't look like Bryant was the guy. But this weekend, I agree with you, since Brown is not there, both of them may get a lot of run. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. So since you brought it up, I thought one of the things we could talk about instead of our Pakka Five or anything like that is just five learnings from the season, which I think for both of us uh, has not been great, but it's been very uh, interesting. Sometimes you learn more when you struggle and have to make things work, right? So yes. well, we should talk about five things that we kind of learned or... Uh, uh, you know, something that dawned on us or we had to focus on or whatever. Um, what do you think? Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. Looking, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I must admit to you that I think I have three, possibly four things that I know for sure and the fifth one I'll probably, uh, uh, you know, discover as we continue our conversation. Sure. Then let me go first. And then feel free to... Uh, jump in and uh, share your thoughts on these as well, right? So some of the things from my rosters and my experience this year that I found interesting was, uh, you know, as follows. One was, I felt like, you know, I already mentioned I had a pretty bad uh, running back draft. Maybe I was more clued in because of that. But I felt like that running back position, you know, the first phase we saw it's becoming more and more uh, committee-based approach, right? Now, maybe a subsequent to that, I also feel like there is a lot more dynamism in terms of uh, people and, you know, running backs coming in and going out and things like that. So one of the things I learned, and I was forced to learn that because of my horrible draft, was if you keep a close eye on what's going on, there is a lot of activity with the running backs. I feel like I don't know if you agree, Ravi, you know, that the receivers have always been like that, right? There's more of them, uh, somebody could break out any time and, you know, rookies came up later in the season as a good receiver and things like that. I feel like r- running backs are also becoming a lot more dynamic like that. So, and as a fantasy owner, you need to be pretty clued in on that and be on top of that. I, I feel like if you roll back five to ten years back, right, we have been playing fantasy for a long time. Aside from injury, it was always pretty stable. You had your, you know, Adrian Peterson or Ladinian Tomlinson type, and then once in a while somebody spelled them. Uh, sometimes you had a goal line guy like your guy Leroy Holt. It, it was pretty <laughs> well defined. Now it's almost as dynamic as the receivers, I, I felt like. Um, and then, consequently, you have to keep an eye on it. And if you keep an eye on it, you can find some value and gems late in the season. That, I thought, was one of the things, at least, was a little different for me this season. And moving forward, I'm going to be more conscious of that. Any any thought you have on that? Yeah, in fact, one of my points is somewhat similar to that. Uh, which, And I agree with that. I think what has... Uh, change in the last few years is the definition of what you consider a bell cow. So some of the names you brought up, Ladanian Tomlinson or Adrian Peterson or even Jamal Charles of old, yeah. you are set with them, right? If they, they are on, in your lineup, you knew the floor was mm-hmm. pretty solid. I think there's a lot fewer, literally on, you know, on fingers of one hand, you can count the ones that you would consider in the same tier. Uh, anymore. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot more dynamism, but I think my point, in fact, which I'll come to later, is the flip side to it, which is the overhype, or it tended, the hype became overhype around uh, seeking out uh, 
multi-way running backs, you know, backs that can run, catch, do a lot of things together because when you sum up the total yards as a result, the ceiling is potentially uh, through the roof and that hasn't really gotten realized this season and I have specific examples in that regard. I see. Oh, that's interesting. So, in some ways, you are, you, what you're saying and what I'm saying may actually go hand in hand, right? It's the flip side. Uh, exactly. Because uh, that explosion or explosive uh, running backs have not panned out, one of the reasons could be what I'm saying because there's all these, these random guys sneaking in and getting carries or, uh, you know, playing, getting touches or whatever here and there and kind of suppressing the upside of some of those uh, higher end prospects. Exactly. Right. Cool. That was one, one, and uh, the second one uh, I had in mind was basically in all three leagues, uh, if you remember, despite me not being so high on Gronk in our draft preview show, I ended up drafting Gronk in all three leagues for different reasons, right? Somehow I got into this situation where he felt like the best draft. Uh, pick at that point and ended and he did he has done great for me but I also realized another great uh, value just by having him is I feel like having a solid titan a productive titan obviously Gronk is almost like an outlier out there but having somebody like that produce at that position I feel like makes your life a lot easier right I feel like you focus a lot on the running backs and wide receivers. It's almost like there is two positions and one position, right? What I mean by that is there's a whole bunch of positions where you need only one guy, the quarterback included, tight end. And we tend to rank or, or, or fight over them a little less than the wide receiver or running backs, which are two positions, right? Obviously, there's more competition. You have to fill two of them. You need to have the bench to back them up and so on and so forth. Out of which, the one positions, uh, obviously, the quarterback is very important. Even with the quarterback, we draft them pretty late and all that just because of that, right? Because we need only one of them, not two of them. And then defense and kicker, we almost ignore for the most part. We, we pick them up later. And then this tight end is interesting. Uh, I felt and I realized this year that if you have a tight end, a solid tight end you don't have to worry about, who can give you like 15 points or 10 to yeah. 15, that makes a huge difference to your uh, consistency and your production of your team. So that's something to keep an eye on. And, and my third point is closely related to that. Don't disregard the kicker either, right? And with the kicker, the trick is obviously to have a not just a great kicker. I feel like all of them are good in some ways. But to get somebody from a good offense, and it may be a good investment, not as important as a titan, but just like that to have a good kicker as well. So for me... One of the strengths of this season was I had those two going. I think I had the same two people in all my three leagues, which rarely happens. Conversely, the New Orleans kicker, Will Lutz, he was, not, oh, he was not great, actually. I could have done better. But at least he was average to slightly above average, right? And I don't have to worry about him on a week-to-week basis. 
you know on that point if i may uh, and mm-hmm. also because uh, the kicker topic is not one of the five things that i was going to talk about so i'll just chime in on that i think it's a very important point that i feel i have learned as well which is even if i'm reaching a round or two earlier i'd rather in the future have the lutz the gaskowski uh, the zerlines of the world versus assuming that i'm not even going to look at the you know the kicker inventory until round 14 or 15 uh, yeah because, you know and so and and also the other point of distinction that i was able to kind of uh, uh, observe over the course of the season was if you remember the first four or five weeks it looked like ryan sakup would end up uh, scoring more than most wide receiver ones you know at the right. rate he was going right, but eventually right. regression catches up the offense the tennessee offense is so crappy yeah. that irrespective of how good sakup is if he's not going to get to attempt free throw, i mean uh, kicks up, uh, he's not going to make them uh, so right So right. I guess that's why to tie your kicker to a potent offense is probably right. uh, as important. Right. And 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 just to finish that point, I I I don't know you know if you would agree. I feel like defense is just not as important during draft time. even though people do reach more for yeah. defense than kicker because of two reasons, right? I think defense is very important. In fact, I won a bunch of games because of defense but what I mean by that is you have more streaming options and less certainty of this whole oh Denver defense is great those days are gone right and then yes, somebody yes. will drop 56 points on Denver so it's very yes. important you have a good defense I'm not arguing against it but I wouldn't invest a lot in the draft because you don't know what's going to happen number 1 number 2 streaming may be your best option anyways because defenses cannot dominate week in and week out like they used to would you agree yeah, and, yeah yeah totally again totally agree with that and i think defense other than denver say from 2 years ago or the baltimore ravens from the early 2000s i think defense can never be uh, considered uh, you know a, a, a sure shot 10 to 12 point floor because they are the most game script dependent Yes. Right. I mean, and we are seeing it with Denver this year, or I mean, a lot of really good defenses which have had crappy offensive side. So essentially, irrespective of how you are doing as a defense, mm-hmm. if your quarterback is, uh, you know, getting picked at the five-yard line every time, you are going to give up points. Right. Right. You are absolutely right. And I think defenses are just important, but it's becoming hard to, uh, you know, predict. the good ones and like you said the game script and opponent changes it so much that during draft time you know you may be better off getting a kicker you like because it's probably a little bit more stable and predictable um yeah. that's that's uh, one of the things that you know i i thought i should mention uh the other point is i have to say that uh, you know the learning is pretty much you know never doubt Antonio Brown because at the beginning of the season I don't know if you remember but I thought he would be good but he would take a step back I think we 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 all had our doubts on Ben Roethlisberger and things like that right but this guy is amazing I mean even with uh, him missing most of last week's game he's still the top receiver in the league by a, you know by a mile and uh, you know I should say I was wrong in in 
doubting Antonio Brown. That was a learning as well. Um, that, I think, covers four. I had another one, but I'm blanking on that right now. Uh, <laughs> okay, do you, want to, yeah. do you want me to go with uh, my list and when yes. you remember yeah. yours, you can get back into it? Yes, please. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. You know, what's really uh, reassuring to me is the fact that uh, I think it appears that you and I think alike because I would say three out of my five things are very closely tied into your points. So, mm-hmm. uh, and the first point that I thought of was the same tightened uh, topic that you brought up, which is it's been a major aha moment for me this season. I've been a long-time believer in streaming Titans, as you have seen from my drafts as well. And yeah. nothing has been more uh, eye-opening than to see what has happened this year, wherein Titan has been an absolute, uh, you know, crap ship. And uh, if you have a Gronk and to a lesser extent Kelsey or uh, Ertz, yeah. I think you've been golden. And Ingram, Evan Ingram, uh, obviously was great for a few weeks. But other than that, no one has been good to, uh, you know, uh, make you feel uh, comfortable. So one of my definite draft strategies moving forward is going to be to reach for one of these elite titans very early. So I don't care if, mm-hmm. you know, I'm ridiculed for picking up, say, for example, Ertz in round three or Kelsey in round two. But yeah. I'd rather do that than to suffer week to week in trying to look through the waiver wire because it does two things, right? One is you are not comfortable playing whoever you have picked up and number two, you are kind of wasting or spending a waiver pick pretty much every week or every two weeks on a tight end. Right, right. And I think you made a good point there. One of the reasons the way I feel and the way you feel uh, this way is also because this might have also been a very unusually bad set of titans except that like there's this top three or four who were awesome, and then there's like absolutely nothing. So streaming would have been even harder this year, and I think both of us kind of realized that. Luckily, I didn't have to because I had uh, Gronk, but I totally see your point. Maybe that's why we feel like ah, having that Titan is better because I feel like some years you can actually stream them, right? But not uh, this year for sure. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So my second point has to do with, uh, you know, players even starts coming back from absences. And I've also, so so in that regard, what I've realized this season is there is a very definite difference between a player, that is a major stud player, coming back from injury versus coming back from, say, a suspension. Mm -hmm. Uh, If it's the former, then I will in future not rely on, you know, stated player uh, to be exactly the way he had been performing before the injuries. Olsen is a good example, right? Greg Olsen, one of our uh, league mates, basically held on to Olsen for 11 weeks, expecting to get a Titan 1 in return when Olsen comes back in week 12. And obviously, he was good last week, but prior to that, for at least two to three weeks, Olsen was invisible. Same yeah. with Danny Woodhead, right? I mean, people were uh, hyping up Woodhead's return yeah, yeah. as the time that, uh, uh, you know, Baltimore's offense will pick up. And obviously, he's been overtaken not just by Alex Collins, but even by Buck Allen again. Yeah. So, so and, and to some extent, I felt the same way about Rogers. Rogers is obviously an outlier and 
uh, I picked him up in our, our second league and he was okay, but you could see that there were a couple of passes that, you know, vintage Rogers would have uh, mm. thrown for TDs instead he got picked. So to me, injury is a definite, it is definitely going to be, a, uh, you know, a no-no down the road and Corey Davis was another example I thought of. Right. On the other hand, players coming back from suspension, and I would still feel very comfortable and George, I mean, nothing could be more evident than uh, Josh Gordon. Right, right, right. That's, you know what, you just reminded me of my fifth point. So, my fifth point was exactly that, in that, you know, fantasy players or owners should be really plugged into who's coming back from these injuries and uh, suspensions, right? Because late in the season, you are always like surprised by some of these people coming back and if you're not plugged in a lot, you can miss on some real gems, right? And obviously, you know, you are really good at it because... You picked up Josh Gordon, even though personally I would not have, but you got it right this time, right? With Josh Gordon. Uh, He's been great the last few weeks. But my point in general was just, it's easy to forget that somebody was gone and is coming back, right? I think as fantasy owners, we need to be really watchful and clued in on all these injuries and suspensions, even though I totally like your point on how injuries returning from injuries may not be the same but still as a fantasy owner you need to know who's coming back when and you know keep a record of that keep a spreadsheet whatever works for you right and then and then go look at him and like you said if it's from an injury maybe you don't want to pick him up but you need to know you need to stay on top of it yeah that was going to be my fifth point no, absolutely. I agree with you. Uh, so my third point is, uh, again, something that you brought up uh, when when you were talking, which is around the value of some of these dynamic running backs, or actually the definition of the prototypical running back in today's fantasy football. You, you're looking for someone who can do multiple things. Mm-hmm. I actually, though, wanted to uh, mention what I've learned, which is, the devaluation of the scat back or third down back or a passing down back. I mean, you know, in 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 the last couple of years, we've had a number of owners uh, or uh, thought processes looking at running back as a fairly commoditized asset wherein, you know, you don't need to reach for a Le'Veon Bell or a Todd Gurley early because you can wait a few rounds and pick up, I don't know, like Mike Gillisley, for example, or Danny Woodhead. Yeah. And, and that used to, not Mike Gillespie in particular, but Woodhead is, Woodhead is a good case in point. Woodhead has been working out for owners in the last few years, right? If you pick a Woodhead in the sixth or seventh round, yeah. he's been a serviceable RB2 or a flex. I think that has changed. You know, there are so many examples. Duke Johnson, Woodhead, Gillespie actually is another one, or Bilal Powell, right? I think we are shifting back a little bit to having bell cow RBs, they need to be dynamic. To your earlier point, which I agree with, you need a Le'Veon Bell. I mean, you know, Bell could have 15 carries for 47 yards, but you know what? Fantasy-wise, he'll end up with 20 because he would have also caught 9 catches for 85 yards. So, essentially, you are getting what you're looking for, but it's not via the Bilal Powers or the Danny Woodards of the world. That's a good point. Actually, you know, the good proof of that is my team, right? I was talking about how my draft was a disaster. One of the yeah. reasons was I exactly thought what 
you you uh, explained actually that you know we could pick up a bunch of these guys you know the Mike Gillespie type or you know I had a couple of guys like I had Bl- Lager at Blunt I had uh, uh, who is the other guy I had before I dropped him I say a Crowell uh, oh, yes. I had a bunch of these people right mid to lower mid range who I thought if one or two clicks I would be in good spot but none of them clicked. Uh, but there is like new talent keep cropping up here and there, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, Alex Collins was a good example. Luckily, I picked him up somewhere halfway through the season. He, he didn't have a whole lot of noise uh, or hype at the beginning of the season. But then he came along. But to your point, Ravi, the other reason may be also because I think there was unusual explosion in the <coughs> number of quality running backs too. That's right. Right? That's right. So one of the things I wanted to mention in that regard is after a couple of years, we spent a lot of time talking about how many wide receivers we need to pick in the first round and all of that. Just look at the first round, like running back options for next year. It's just mind-blowing. I'm sure you thought about this too. There's your Todd Gurley's. Right? No, you're right. In fact, I cannot tell you how excited I am for next year's draft because I've always been one of those who picks two running backs with his first two picks so right. next year actually will I mean I think that strategy will make sense because you are right I mean I think the running back wealth is uh, mind yes. next year exactly I think for uh, after many years I think the snake draft is going to actually even out things in that yes. regardless of where you are it almost feels like you can get like a Gurley or and Joe Mixon or somebody like that you can have a like a Gurley and DeMarco Murray or something like that it's going to be that deep totally you know and interesting you brought up Mixon because he was one of the guys I was thinking of like you know I was listening to some of these uh, post season next year looking forward to 2018 type of podcasts and people were already talking about ADPs yeah. and if you can believe this uh, at least two of the podcasts I listened to independent of one another mm-hmm. ended up with say someone uh, drafting Le'Veon Bell in the first uh, round so essentially either having the first or second pick and then coming back in round two and getting Mixon. Exactly. If I ended up in that situation you know what I'll be ecstatic. I know because you know depending on uh, what happens in Cincinnati he's going to be great they need to tweak a few things but definitely he's not one of them yeah agreed (laughs) so really quickly my fourth point is around quarterbacks again and I think to some extent it's the exact opposite of what I said earlier around tight ends wherein you know next year I'm not going to wait on tight or wait for tight ends I'm going to pick one early Mm -hmm. on the other hand as far as quarterbacks are concerned somewhat similar to running backs right I mean there has been a sudden flurry of really serviceable to excellent fantasy quarterbacks. Wentz, uh, Deshaun Watson, even Goff, certain weeks, yeah, they've been like tier one QBs and have far, uh, you know, outscored Drew Brees, even Brady in the last few weeks. Uh, obviously, you know, Ben has been up and down. So in my mind, one thing that has gotten consolidated in uh, as far as strategy is I'll continue to not look at QBs until well into double-digit rounds because there's always a, you know, a Deshaun Watson or a Wentz or even, or the biggest example is obviously Case Keenum. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's going to be a challenging one for me because, you know, I am also in that boat philosophically. 
but i also feel like in our league right the main the league of record it's pretty important to have a good quarterback so once in a while you'll see me uh, picking up brady right especially when he was good value on the year he was suspended and things like that it made sense to pick yes. him yes uh, so i kind of go back and forth on that in that league but in other leagues you are absolutely right i wait as long as i can yeah. before and picking you know, up back and and to be honest with you and i obviously remember the two qbs that i had you know so 2014 and 2016 so the last two so five uh, in two of the last four years which happened to be the two years i won the super bowl yeah. i had uh, kirk cousins and if i'm not wrong rothlisberger off of the waiver wire so he had been dropped and i picked him up this year in the super bowl this weekend nick yes. falls is matched up against case keenum so <laughs> actually speaking uh, you know if you were to go by results candidly i think uh, the breeze and the bradys or obviously the rogers as well uh, are nowhere to be found so that's kind of further you know cons- yeah. validated my point that might as well wait and find a keenum then to reach too early and get a breeze sure and in the other league by the way it's uh, <laughs> the one i am playing in i'm starting yeah. actually black bottles against uh, jared <laughs> goff so you are absolutely right wow yeah that's the you know so, and bottles is again a great example i mean everyone ridicules him yeah. but you know what i think he's again outscored uh, brady in 6 out of the last 7 weeks great So, cool. And this yeah. actually brings me to my last point and which has to do with defenses. Uh, you know, it seems again to be too much of an overrated uh, point of discussion early in the season to look at season long defensive matches to matchups to determine who you are going to pick up. Like wow. for example, mm-hmm. pick up Cam Newton because he plays against New Orleans in week 13 and week 15 which happened to be or week 14 and week 15 which happened to be fantasy playoffs you know what new orleans might end up being a much tougher matchup by week 15 right that's Flip a good side point. denver right i mean denver you don't want to uh, or drop kirk cousins after week 8 because he plays denver and san diego and x y and z you know denver's probably as crappy a team as he could be playing so looking beyond two weeks of defensive matchups in my mind is nonsensical but really? that frankly again it has been something that i think you and i have discussed in the past and i still hold true to that belief great that that's so much in sync with that makes me happy too that's so much in sync with what i was saying too you're right like we we have a couple of big overlaps there yes <laughs> yeah cool that was a good list and um hope uh, we can do this more often with or without football we have other things to talk as well and yeah. it was nice and reconnecting and uh, you know happy holidays to you ravi and to all our listeners yeah and to you as well arvind i know that you have a trip planned to india so safe travels have a fantastic time there and uh, if if possible we may end up uh, meeting up in india yeah sure thank you happy holidays Thank you. Bye.